This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOldManSaid.com and your host. Joining me for the start of the 23-24 season, Mr. Phil Shaw, Mr. Chris Bird. Welcome. Hello. Thank you very much. Hello. How are you? I'm good, actually. I'm feeling good. Who I'm would feeling have the thought? best I've ever felt after such a bad <laughs> defeat. Who would have thought? <laughs> Phil, uh, still powered by uh, numerous Guinness. As we mentioned on the show, I didn't really... We, I mean, we, we put the show out a day before the game, but we mentioned there was a match club, which is part of uh, my own said members. So it was a members get-together, last-minute job. We let them, obviously, members know, but we did put a shout-out in case anybody else uh, wanted to come. Uh, anyway, you should have come along, that's all I can say. <laughs> because it was the best 5-1 defeat I've ever had. Because we had a free bar on the go. And it does soften the blow. 100%. I mean, shout-out to Green King for their hospitality and great staff as well, but at the Malt House. But I feel like we won 1-0. It's, it's, it's really strange. I'm still, In my eyes, uh, we did. We won that game. <laughs> The only thing I'm thinking of uh, post that game is uh, the Ming scenario, but we'll we'll get on to all of that. The night before that game, I, I, I put on the uh, the Amazon Newcastle, is it the first episode of yes, whatever yeah, they're, they're calling that? And I was just thinking, oh, this is sinister. This is like big money takeover. We want to be number one club. We want the public investment fund to be t- a two trillion pound dollar investment and it's all about money takeover money 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 and it was you know this when they asked oh what do you think about the criticism of like uh, it being a sovereign wealth saudi arabia and it shouldn't be happening well it's not saudi arabia it's the public it investment fund yeah, it, uh, is. it is and that was it then they carried on it's like no it's just like they have agreed to do all this just to basically put out a pr situation yeah, and that's just, what this sports is a, washing is this just feels more sinister than I thought. Yeah, the fact that they have the Amazon documentary primed and ready to go, well, no, no pun intended and primed, but primed and ready to go as soon as the takeover was done, says it all. Yeah, so I woke up again, right, before I was I was happy for, for a draw, now I want to beat these, uh, hey-ho, yeah, coming up happened. in the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, we'll get into uh, the Villa News, see what else has been happening uh, around the uh, the first result of the season before uh, tackling the three points and then getting into the meat and gravy of what happened at St. James's. We'll uh, finish off with a look at what's happening uh, in the world of media Muppets before giving you the first round of results for the... Still haven't come up with the title. Didn't get any tweets or anything with suggestions. Do we keep it as the Emery's clipboard? Do we call it back from the dead? Do we call it the Hogan and Wesley touch count? Answers on a postcard or an email or a tweet. Before we go on, helping to support the show, NordVPN are offering 
a bumper deal to start the season off with, where you can get an extra four months free on top of uh, huge savings on the personal choice when it comes to VPN, of my old man said. If you want to protect your privacy on your devices and while you're browsing, then NordVPN allows you to use it on six devices. And... Of course, one of the key attributes of a VPN is it allows users to watch sporting events, TV shows, films, which aren't available in their region by switching their virtual location to a country where you can watch it. Perfect for those 3pm kickoffs on Saturday or 2pm kickoffs on a Sunday for the untelevised games in the UK. To grab your exclusive discounts, off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash moms and you'll receive four extra months for free and there's a no-risk Nord 30-day money-back guarantee as well. You'll find the link uh, in the episode description notes as well. So check it out. Right, uh, what's been happening in the news? Well, actually, um, the Maori fires in Hawaii, pretty devastating. I've actually got a... A friend, or kind of more of a friend of a friend who I haven't seen, you know, mainly because she lives in Hawaii now, but she's now married with two kids. And I actually gave her advice how to get in, into football journalism many years ago. She took that advice and uh, it turned out to be really good advice, and she did well. She too has interviewed Pele, but seeing her Instagram, oh, Jesus Christ, it, their house is all right. There, but everything on the outskirt of their house melted, like the gates and stuff wow. in the garden. But next door neighbor's house, absolutely, it's not there anymore. Uh, just devastation. They, they were so lucky. But brother-in-law, their house completely wiped out. Father-in-law, house wiped out. And the, the messages they're putting up is like, you know, any chance of getting any water into whatever area they're, whatever district they are. And it's, you know, real, uh, you see the kind of fragility of life. Mm. Right, let's have some villain news. Well, this is like the little soft bits before we get into uh, the hammer blow, isn't it? Yeah, we're, we're hammer, kind of quite a hammer blow it was. I mean, it's not nice, this fella news, really. Buendia, like, lightly out for most of the season. Now, is he going to be joined by Mings? Well, you'll probably know more by the time you listen to this show. Doesn't look good, his face. Uh, no. Not as if he's going to be out for a week or two, is it? No, not at all. No. The squad numbers came out. A couple of swaps. I think Luca Dean changed his number to 12. Who else? Was Duran changed his number? I can't remember. Somehow yeah, Troy Duran remains number nine. Yeah, yeah. It's, this is, seems to be a regular feature now. You know, when they put the numbers out, you look for an angle just for the article. And, you know, I, I remember previously one of them was Villa start season without a number nine. And then we bought Scott Sinclair, I think, and he took the number nine shirt. we continued the season without a number nine. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we're, we haven't got a number nine now. It's, number nine historically, is like a big one. It's the biggest number, isn't it? Each, well, some clubs have different ones. They're like Man United is always number seven, wasn't it? Or Yeah, it's it's kind of seven, or but nine is a tradition, yeah. like your number nine. And Villa, not to have a proper one. For example, there should be Ollie Watkins, then there should be a number nine, i.e. another striker. And we, we haven't got that, so that's it's an underlying lack of depth in that department straight away. 
But uh, Till- Tillman's number eight. I mean, that's a good solid number for him if he uh, well, steps he is a forward. Eight. Yes. Yeah. He is. Meanwhile, Hibst did pretty well in the, the first leg after a bit of a shaky start at home to uh, Lausanne. Three-one. I think they needed that third goal for sure. I don't think it's over by any means. If uh, the Swiss get an early goal, then bang, that's uh, game on. Yeah, Hibbs didn't look great for long periods. It was a pretty good second half. First half was pretty rubbish, and Luzerne hit the bar. They missed a couple of big chances. So this this one's this ties not over yet. Good second half though. I mean, you, you're talking it down, yeah, but it, it exploded no, so, so the first half life. was crap. Second half was really yeah. good. It was a real real firefight in the second half, wasn't it? But we'll find out who will will be playing on Thursday. Meanwhile, it's a bit of a problem. We we keep going and pillaging the baggies. Academy and they still beat us. And then the next season, they always they hammer us every time. It's three nil, so we're going to have to go on another pillage mission to yep. uh, take their their latest. It's uh, not just a beating, is it? It's always it's never close. There's another three nil. Well, it's a yeah. hammering, and then they never make it in the first team anyway. So I don't know what kind of players they're actually selling us, but maybe they they always hold back their uh, their prime stock. Meanwhile, we are down to the semi-finals in the women's World Cup. England did well, actually, to get through against Colombia. Colombia took the lead and were looking uh, feisty and uh, asking questions. England really battled through that one. It was a real sort of grindy type game. Yeah, I mean, you saw Rachel Daly lying on the turf at the end of the game. People thought she was injured. But uh, I think there's a lot of exhaustion in that because yeah. it went through that Nigerian war of attrition, obviously with 10 men. And then that was no easy uh, walk in the park. But now they've got a proper showdown with the Aussies. It's kind of quite good that the Aussie-England rivalry actually comes into play in a sport that the whole of the world plays rather than it just being <laughs> a commonwealth. Yeah. Or rugby as well, yeah. Meanwhile, uh, DVD, the Dutch goalkeeper, Villa's new goalkeeper, they got knocked out by Spain. I think that was a bit of a 50-50 one, that one that went into mm. uh, extra time. Meanwhile, Dali missed a, her penalty twice. Yeah, it was re, it was re, retaken, wasn't it, in the penalty shootout, and she missed both of them. As the French lost to uh, Australia. So only Rachel Daly left. Before we go on to the three points, just mentioned the My Old Man Said members. I just want to give a big thanks to everybody who, who came. I've actually got the bar bill in front of me it's probably the length of my arm actually <laughs> i think guinness wins in the end i think that's partly to my contribution and cyprian and his uh, friends contribution and, and lee as well but a, a massive thank you to everybody that came yeah it was good crack ended up being a free bar we got a tab which was well a, a bit more than i expected shall we say so it served as well so it lasted all the way to the end and that's how you get through a 5-1 defeat, people. <laughs> also, a uh, big thank you to to James Roskvist for joining as a new Mileman Said member. And to Peter Elliott, Gavin Ball and Ian Wiseman, our buddy from Australia, for uh, renewing again as annual members. As an annual member, you do get 10% off, which is just over a month for free. And of course, when you join my own members, you get access to extra shows. There's actually been a few uh, the last few weeks. We are uh, ramping them up now for this season. Even managed to get Chris Budd's appearance on the, what was it, Radio Toon? Uh, BBC Radio BBC Newcastle? Newcastle, yeah. What do they call it? <laughs> they actually know their football better than the BBC West Midlands, don't they? Yeah, they're really sharp, those lads, to be fair to them. Yeah, yeah they, they were pretty clued up on us. 
So anything like that, we always put it up for uh, my old man said members, so it's uh, easily digestible. But also you get ad-free episodes as well. And membership of Match Club, which is both virtual and sometimes it appears in the flesh. It kind of transcends into real life where people go up to the bar and just hand over goldfishes and get drinks back <laughs> <laughs> to the amusement of the staff going what on earth is well, yeah it, did, it did, did put smiles on their faces and every time somebody clocked in to start their shift you know they were always uh, we always got them uh? yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's the only currency we use uh, is goldfish if you wonder why we're talking about goldfish then uh, something to do let's say with goldfish memories and how uh, football fans are very similar one weekend you're very depressed and saying the most nasty things about your team and then suddenly it comes to Wednesday, Thursday and uh, you're, you're buzzing, buzzing again, again <laughs> and you can't wait to get in there. Yep. Of course, Tad Lesso actually copied us. I mean, they copied so many things from football culture, but we were, you know, we were talking about the goldfish mentality for years and uh, it became kind of a symbol of match club, which we uh, turned into real life during the Newcastle game. If you want to become a My Old Man Said member and join in the fun, you can find more details at the website www.myomensaid.com. Right, three points. Argentina have announced it will punish football fans who burn or tear up banknotes while attended matches in the country. This is during the the Copa Libertadores. Libertadores. <laughs> Which is the South American sort of Champions League, isn't it, basically? Yeah. So, you know, you've got your uh, Chileans, your Colombians, your Brazilians coming in. And have they got, like, crazy inflation yes. at the moment? Yeah, Argentina's not in great shape at the moment. What's the inflation at the moment? Well, they, it's, it hit 100% earlier on this year, and they've actually had to introduce a 2,000 peso note because the value of the 1,000 peso note fell so low it fell to around £2.13 recently. So it's real hyperinflation, and fans caught tearing up a peso bill will face up to 30 days in prison. Pretty hell. Ooh. Liam Ridgewell's fucked then, isn't he? They wouldn't, they wouldn't look too kindly at him wiping his ass with banknotes. Yeah, if if you're wondering what Chris is referring to, he put it on his social media, didn't he? Was, yeah, this, was, was he? At, this is when he was at the Blues, wasn't yeah. it? The Blues were the baggies, yeah. Back in the early days of social media. Sitting on the crown, and he was basically uh, mimicking wiping his ass. He had loads of money around, and uh, yeah, he would uh, face many, many, many months in prison if, uh, if they saw it, if it was uh, pesos uh, in that case. Point number two... Harry Kane happened very quickly at the in the end, but he ended up in the Bundesliga. First game happened to be the German Super Cup. So finally, after years <laughs> of being having an empty trophy cabinet, instant chance to uh, basically justify the move in his Within own head. Within 24 hours. Within 24 hours, he could have like ticked the box, bucket list, win a trophy. Spurs did. <laughs> oh, you did. But it's not Spurs, I don't think. I think it's Harry Kane's the problem because... Uh, now we know. Leipzig beats uh, Bayern Munich 3-0. Point number three, delayed kickoffs were embarrassing for Brentford and Arsenal on the opening weekend. Was this down to uh, turnstiles? Yeah, so the, the turnstiles at the Emirates, um, I believe it had sort of like an upgrade. They were trying a new system. I think this happened at Liverpool uh, a couple of seasons ago. Yes, yeah, yeah. And so basically the, the e-ticketing setup that Arsenal had put in place, it was the first time they'd trialled it and... Uh, and it crashed. So they had like a server error in the system that controls all the turnstiles in the ground. They had about 35,000 fans stuck outside. 
with about you just, half an hour you just to wait kick off. just get ready for the coming weekend when uh, the door to the terrace view is stuck and nobody can get in <laughs> until <laughs> uh, half time because it's made out of solid gold so it's it's hard to move they delayed the kickoff for, um, for sort of half an hour and then obviously got it sorted and then the Brentford game against you know, of course a Harry Kane-less Tottenham was delayed due to apparently water supply issues whatever they even mean like that they were very vague about that whether they couldn't what as in pitch. supply to fans or just G- generally uh, the, the, the supply of water to the stadium and all the things that need water all right, sewerage and uh, Every, yeah everything was kind of for briefly it wasn't as long as the delay as Arsenal but still not a good look Right, let's get into the meat and gravy of what happened at St. James's. Now, people going there thinking, right, we're going to, you know, this is it. We're, we're, we're back. The new season started. Villa are cooking, apparently. Anybody who knows the villa knows that St. James's Park is, uh, how do you put this, gentlemen? Turgid in terms of points return. Yes. A barren, barren wasteland. Barren yeah. wasteland. Even when we've been Speaking really of water, good, absolutely, yeah. Barren, no water, no, no sign of life. In fact, sixteen matches, winless streak. We only win when they start fighting amongst themselves. So expectations for me. I mean, I, you know, at Match Club, uh, I was talking to uh, Cyprian from Match Club uh, at the start when you know he's asking me what I thought, and I said this is one of those fixtures that can go literally any any way, any way. I'm, I'm talking in terms of uh, Villa absolutely getting hammered by Newcastle because they're one of the teams that does do give us a good slap in from time to time. Or if Villa carry on what they did in that pre-season game and at Villa Park and strike early and make, you know maybe strike early with a brace, you could see us winning handsomely and frustrating the Geordies as well. Or there could be like some kind of firefight draw like there was in the US. Or it could be one of those anti-climax games where you're expecting uh, all kinds of things and it'd be nil-nil. I didn't think that because I thought the Geordies, after I watched that Amazon documentary and they say we are going to be number one, you just thought, yeah, they're, they're coming out the traps on this one. Lineup, we predicted this. I mean, I was asked by the BBC to do a preview lineup, and I mean, I'm not normally bothered about those things, so it's not the first time I kind of gave it any thought. And this, it was before Buendia, so I had Buendia in there, but apart from that, it was the lineup that Emery chose. The main thing was you just knew that Emery was going to go to the tried and tested back four because that been, you know, it's been stress tested through a whole season because it was going to be tested at Newcastle. So that means the fullbacks, Dean and Cash, and then the Konza and Ming's partnership. You know, people have to realise that pre-season, and this goes to Villa journalists as well, who were just saying, oh no, he's going for the three uh, centre-backs, and that's why he's been doing it in pre-season, and that's what he's going to start with. No, pre-season is more a testing ground for ideas, isn't it? And like future plans, you just felt with Torres that he was going to be like drip-fed in through European games, because of, you know, he's, he's been there and done that. And, but the Premier League, the intensity is on another level, and he's need to he's going to need to find his feet. And this fixture was always potentially a baptism of fire, as, as it proved to be. And you'll notice the difference between when Mings was on, I mean, not that much difference, but we kind of got swept away in, in, the, in, in the, the second half. half an hour. It, yeah, so no surprises, really. The only surprise, uh, I mean, you two guys were, were vouching for Tillemans over Buendia, even when Buendia was fit. So to start Bailey... Yeah. Instead of Tillemans, I thought, okay, well, he knows they're coming for us, and uh, Emery's banking on basically to catch them on the counter with like the three fastest players up top. Yes, and Bailey, unfortunately, I mean, he's 
he's a useful asset at home, but not away from home. <laughs> I mean, the big, the big difference in the selection, of course, was there were there were five guys who started that three 0 win at Villa Park in April who weren't in the starting lineup. Of course, we lost yeah. six when Mings was out of the team, so it was a very different looking side to the you know, the team that let's be what frank. Are you, what are you saying? No, then Duncan, no party. That's what I'm saying, David. <laughs> <laughs> actually could have done with him just yeah. like some, some kind of solidity. obstacle in the middle of the park for them to go round because they just went through us at will Phil Shaw was you surprised I mean the intensity the crowd were up for it they they it seemed to me in those first 10 minutes they were playing twice as fast as us well I mean it's, it's not a surprise is it you knew this was coming I mean if you watched Newcastle last season against Spurs when they scored what five and 20 minutes yeah. you know you have to weather the storm at St James's and i that's why I was very surprised to see Bailey on. I thought they would sort of keep it tight and then bring Bailey on if needs be towards you know the second half when the game opens up a bit if it's still even. Yeah, kind of stay in the game. Yeah, stay in the game and then start to try to catch them. Yeah, and that that has to be on Emery. That has to be. I mean, it's he picks the team. I mean, yeah, you know by now you know what you're going to get with Bailey. You're not going to get any tracking back. You're not going to get any support for your right back, and you're he's not great at holding the ball up either. Yeah, because the first, I mean, the first goal, his kind of effort to, I mean, the way they were playing in terms of intensity intensity compared to how, for example, Bailey tried to stop that cross. It's just like, you know, flicked out a leg, half-assed uh, lunge, and they're going at, you know, as I said, twice the speed of us. But as you say, you can't blame on Bailey because you know what you're going to get with Bailey and you know they're coming for us. So why pick him in the first place, you know, especially early to start with? Yeah, certainly. And Bailey wasn't the only one for that first goal. You also have Kamara completely losing his man. I mean, Tanali and Kamara are standing beside each other seconds before Tanali puts the ball in the net. So Kamara has just completely lost him or lost track of him. And then Luca Dean's left with two men at the back post. And then Tanali's just got an easy finish. He did well, but it was still, he was completely free. Would you, Chris, if you, uh, if you were playing Newcastle again this weekend... Would you play Tillemans over Kamara? Tillemans over Kamara? Just from the fact that sometimes he's a bit casual against that Newcastle uh, onrush. And, you know, similar, won't we remember going back to the infamous Manchester United first half in pre-season in Australia where they just ransacked us and overran us. And he was, you know, he kind of got a, an eye-opener there. Um or is it more of a team failing to deal with thing. it? I think you know you've got sort of Diaby and Bailey who are your kind of flare guys. Watkins is part of the, the top end of the press, but he's not really getting involved in you getting ripped through midfield. I think you'd you'd go with Tielemans over Bailey. I think you'd probably play Diaby off Watkins. Almost you'd have like a four-two, a solid three, or even like a four-one-four-one. You'd flood the midfield as best you can, and you'd you'd play Watkins as an out-and-out lone forward and say to Diaby, get involved when you can. But we can't play a a front three here. That's where you, I think if you had someone like a Moreno who can really bomb on, you can yeah. pin him back a bit easier. I don't think we ever managed to pin him back. Saying that, you know, I mean, our goal came from Dinya bombing on it. It's a pretty good ball in, but we, we lack, you know, for one of the sort of the buzzwords, that, if you like, of Emery's reign has always been control. And I never felt like we ever got a, much control in that game. We were literally just trying to stay in the game, weren't we, yeah, for as long that as said, possible. I thought, actually, when we when we got on the ball in their half, I thought Newcastle in the first half were kind of equally guilty of doing what we did. I thought we actually played through them very well and it could have been sort of two all, three all at half time because I thought both sides were very good in possession. Neither team was particularly good without it, but I think Newcastle 
saw their problems quite quickly and fixed them. Villa couldn't. And obviously, you know, when you lose Mings at 2-1, it's both, you know, a damage to you in terms of, you know, the individual player, the, the communication brings, the leadership, etc. having a physical defender on the field. And I think Newcastle knew at that point they were on top. And then second half, they obviously, they knew what the plan was and they went, right, we're going to go. Because to be fair to him, uh, Eddie Howe said it out as it was, and he gave a lot of respect and credit to Villa and said they were very much in the game. It was kind of who took the chances, and you know they were very clinical. I would agree agree with that. You know, five one at the end doesn't look good, but when you when you zoom out a little bit, Villa were very much in that game. Even really, or for me, until Cash balloons his chance later in the game, and I'm jumping ahead. But you're in the game at that point if he puts it away, and and then you never know. Controversy. Let's go. Be the first goal. Fair enough for them. That's just poor defending. Yeah, and just just caught out, weren't we? Just yeah. uh, through how they started, uh, which you know, as we said, you should be expecting that. Yeah. Uh, but then uh, I think we did well to get back in, and that just I think that it, it was almost like delaying the inevitable in some respects. But it was uh, it was like at least getting a foot in the ground to see if you could you know hold on. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was a very. It was almost like the perfect, the perfect comeback. And you kind of thought, right, game on now. Let's start again. And and we kind of did. Good finish from uh, Diaby. Actually, composed. Yeah. Uh, take notes, cash. Yeah, on his weaker foot as well. Yeah, passed it. Passed the kids. He had a really good finish. Good for him. And he was one of the sort of the, the bright sparks from Villa in the first half. I thought he was very lively at time. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So to talk me through the second goal, uh, Phil Shaw. There's a lot of uh, offside debates, but it didn't seem to be that serious when it came to uh, the VAR and uh, the media. No, it's, it's a very strange goal because... It reminded me very much of the the Brighton goal, but that of, of the last game of last season. Um, the ball came across, and Isaac, who ended up scoring the goal, is clearly offside. But that doesn't seem to matter anymore. The issue is that um, Dan Byrne and Matty Cash are having a bit of a grappling match, and Matty Cash plays on Sven Botman. So Sven Botman is then able to stretch and flick it across to Isaac to put the ball in the back of the net, and it's a good finish. Yeah, very, it's kind of a kind of a cultured finish, wasn't it? Yes, he's a very cultured player, and we'll get onto that probably later on as well. Whenever it's uh, slowed down VAR, and uh, we don't get a line anymore. For some reason, I mean, there's lines in other games this weekend, but there was no lines at St. James's Park. Read into that what you want. Ooh, um, conspiracy. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's a knife edge decision again. I mean, Botman, it's cash, is again a couple of yards behind the rest of the line, and he is playing Botman onside, but he can't really do anything because if you notice, Dan Burns holding him in that position to play Botman onside. So, Villa have been pulled up for that a few times, you know, using your blockers and Dan Burns offside. So it the it should have been an offside. If you're offside in an offside position and you're interfering with another player, it is offside. And he's interfering with Cash and he's offside. So while by the letter of the law, Botman wasn't offside, who crossed it in, and then Isaac is it's a different phase. He's back and puts it in. The problem is very much that Dan Burns offside. He's interfering with play, and it, it shouldn't have been. Uh, getting. Then two key moments really. You got the Mings injury and uh, Watkins miss. Mings injury obviously huge. The Toon fans gave him a uh, a round of applause off. Which well, he's a big guy, isn't he? We've seen him injured before, and he'll generally sort of 
never limp off. He'll always get up. He was down like he'd been shot. He was really, really bad. And when we signed him, we were always concerned about his injury record, but he's, he's been uh, really good for us since he signed in Largely, terms of injuries. Yeah. And that's yeah. a this one's a, a big step back. You know, the, the Buendia one is a setback, but it's I think you can make do with him. We've got enough of the firepower in there that you might be all right once you get sort of Ramsey back and other options. Mings, I don't think we have another guy who does what he does. You know, you're bringing Torres in and you're hoping now he's, he's got to get up to speed very quickly, but he's a different kind of player. I think already I'm downgrading where I'm expecting us to finish. I'm, and it's not uh, to be dramatic. It's like you're looking at Buendia and you're looking at Mings. Mings is like, that's the foundation for where we're going to be. Buendia is like, well, if he gets consistency, because he gives us unpredictability, he gives us tenacity in the middle of the park, and he's good on the press as well. And you're thinking in the league, you, you know, the slog of the league, you need your key parts. And I mean, we've already lost to other guys that made a huge impact on getting us where we were last season, that late rush to Europe, and that's Moreno and Ramsey. So now we're four down. Yeah. And you're looking at the depth of the squad, and I'm looking, well, I still feel confident of winning that Europa Conference League. The league, we're not going top four. I think I'm pretty... I think that's been quashed in terms of dark courses to uh, disrupt those places. There's just too much to do. You need to be on your A game with your A players. But I think you can win the Conference League without Mings. I don't think you can uh, really force your hand across a Premier League season without Mings. No, it's (laughs) it's very similar to when Liverpool lost Van Dijk. I mean, that that downgraded their season. It's as much of a mental thing. Yeah. You know, it's that thing of... You've, you know, two weeks ago, you know, all the fan base, probably the players as well, again, we're in great shape here. You know, we've been unbeaten in pre season, but we've put in some good performances. We've learned a lot. We've shown we can play in a slightly, you know, in different ways. You know, the new signings have gone well, etc. You're not thinking about the what ifs at that point. I'm sure um, Emery and his guys, are, you know, they have to plan for this stuff, but, you know, you're not as naive as to think, well, we are, clearly we're going to get injuries during the season. But last season, our major injuries really, you thought, well, Coutinho's barely kicked a ball for you, but you didn't really miss him. You yeah. can't see you not missing Mings, though. I mean, there's people talk to the stats uh, in terms of a Villa without Mings and what is it, like one win? Uh, yeah, one win against Norwich. Yeah, one win against Norwich. In, was it 12 games? It's pretty, the stats are pretty weighed in. in it's like, I, I can't remember off the top of my head, it's around 12 games, but it, it's immaterial. It's uh, one win against Norwich. But in the context, we haven't had the backup to replace Mings. We have backup now. We've got Carlos, we've got Pau Torres, both 30 million men. So it's a different scenario. It's not like we're, because, you know, if, if we continued that form of like, you know, the only win without Mings is against Norwich, we, we'll be getting relegated. That's not going to happen. We've got backup. But those backup aren't Premier League. You know, how many games have they got between them in the Premier League? Like four, five? You know, we're talking, <laughs> Carlos, we're, we're talking, it's low in minutes because he's he's only started once and played a whole game, I think. Yeah. But those two guys have both done it in terms of winning European trophies. It's a different kettle of fish than a whole season in the Premier League. And when you're thinking about, I don't think we're going to get top four now. And this is like, this is, I'm getting way ahead of myself here because we've only had one game. But an improvement, if you're not going to get top four, is to finish fifth or sixth. I think it's going to be really tough without Mings and Buendia. It would have been anyway, really. But to achieve the same outcome, all you've got to do is win that Europa Conference League. And with the personnel we have now without Mings and Buendia, we can still do that and it's easier. So I wouldn't be surprised 
if they've got one eye on that. Yeah. Well, if you win the Europa Conference League, it's actually an improvement in last season because you go into the Europa League rather than the Conference well, League. Well, exactly. And you're basically achieving what a hard slug with a very, you know, all your players fit would potentially, the highest achievement they could probably get you is maybe fifth or sixth, unless, you know, we signed somebody else and really rocked on and challenged for the top four. But, you know, that's kind of, you're starting to smoke a lot of hopium there. So let's see see what happens. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, the focus on that Europa Conference League starts to stiffen uh, with these injuries. Yeah, in terms of focus, you think of, you know, regardless of uh, when or if Mings goes off, the response in the second half of the game, you know, the injury is going to rock you, obviously. You know, the players had the, you know, the Buendia t-shirts before, you know, they're going to have to add Mings to the net to the ones for the Everton game, aren't they? And insert Uh, anybody else. Watkins miss. He's got a score on him. Before we get to the second half, he's well, had a score, hasn't he? Yeah. yeah. Do you know what the worst bit is? It's it's in the same passage of play. Mings is still lying down as Watkins misses because Villa played on while Mings is lying there. So, I mean, yeah. it's, 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 it's talk about sliding doors moments there. By the way, we've, we had conversations, obviously, before the game kicked off about this Watkins new contract. Well, you know, as I was saying to uh, somebody... He's got this season and next season, so it's not as if he's in the last year of his contract. But also, if I'm Aston Villa, I'm looking at his first season, how many goals he scored, his impact. Then that dropped off in the second season. And then the last, it was only in the last few months under Emery that he kind of got back to the par of where he was in the first season. So am I giving him an improved contract straight away, just based on that, where all he's done is achieve par from his first season? I'm not. I'm basically saying to my backroom staff, right, he's had a good back end to last season. Let's see how he goes the first couple of months before we really entertain. You know, if they're playing hardball, they want an improvement in terms of wages, then we want to see an improvement in performance. And it's like missing chances like that and missing penalties. For me, I'm not rushing to give him more money. I mean, it sounds harsh, but you know we're getting to ridiculous sums of money nowadays, aren't we? He's, he's in an interesting position because he's good and he's valuable to the team. But if he pushes on one more step, then he becomes a real player. Yeah, yeah, and real a players. A Premier League, they, big, they, big, they take big those chances, boy. don't they? In fact, they didn't. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those chances where, because the pace, the ball comes at him, etc. You hit the target, you probably score because the keeper won't even react. Yeah, didn't, didn't hit the target. You know, Diaby obviously had a chance just afterwards, didn't he? Which was much harder. But the, the interesting thing with that one was Diaby, you know, puts it at Pope. Pope makes a, a save that he probably should make. But I was looking at it when you look on the replay, and you're like, hang on a minute, where's Ollie Watkins in the middle of the goal, sort of sniping yeah. around for a rebound or hoping for a ball across? He was he was back off the play. He, I mean, he had a hard afternoon, didn't he? Watkins. It was yeah, a, a but then there was a, the the substitution, which uh, you you boys last week was was <laughs> saying perhaps should have been uh, yeah half time. A preference at the start of the game was uh, Tillman's coming on for Bailey, but then I mean Conza had a brain fart. Perhaps the whole Mings thing doesn't help. I mean, it's a dreadful goal. It's a great finish, isn't it? By Isaac, uh, to be fair. Yeah. But it, the at that point, the third goes in. I think the players know they've lost. Newcastle know there's. No, we were just blood and it's dam, weren't we? Uh, up until then, yeah, and, and then, then, and then once that, that was like the dam's just broken. Yeah, the wheels fell off, and all those are the cliches. Um, we're, we're, we're trying to pack as many cliches in as yeah. we can. Have you got one there, Phil? <laughs> the cookie crumbled. Oh, I, I don't know. I've just the whole thing. I mean, I don't. It's one of those ones again when they make that mistake. You don't know what he was trying to do. I mean, he he had done everything right. He got his body in the right place. He had you know got the ball ahead of Isaac, and then. 
he just tries some stupid drag with his right foot to take the ball towards the corner, which he's yeah. probably done a hundred times. And it's just, it's, it's a bit casual. It's a bit casual. It's what, it's not what's needed in that situation. Not when you're banging the game. Shit happens and shit happened. And then we, we saw it at Warsaw, at the Bescot or the Poundland, whatever you want to call it. Cash has a chance and it's 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 a better chance than the one uh, at the Bescot and blazes over again. Yeah, it's not composed. Yeah, we haven't really gone into Cash, but I thought he had a really, really difficult afternoon, both going forward and defensively. But he should score there. He should yeah. hit the target, whatever yeah. you, another cliche, just at least hit the target. He should score regardless. Yeah. And then, of course, you, you potentially make a game of it. You know, you can yeah, change no, the context of the game. that's what I'm saying. You know, okay, Konza fucks up, but if Cash puts that away, the game's still live. Yeah. And even, yeah. and even if at that point, I mean, it's all whataboutery, if you come out of the game having lost 3-2 but giving it a bit of a go, you at least go, okay, tough place to go, but you're relatively pragmatic and philosophical about it, but you haven't. It's almost in that moment, Newcastle go, oh, this is great, and Villa go, it's not our day today, and then they just surrendered. And that's the bit that... You know, if you've travelled a long way on a coach up there or whatever and paid good money to go, you're thinking, I'm not standing for that. And Emery won't. You could see with each goal going in, every time they cut to him, you could see him just seething. Because it's all right for us, boys. We're in a pub in Birmingham drinking free, free beer. <laughs> like, we, we can dull that pain. But, you it's know, a long way home when you've watched people that People going all the way up there and uh, then the, the boys just cave in, essentially. Yeah. What did you make of McGinn coming off from Carlos? I mean, I didn't even know McGinn was playing, judging in the first half. It was a strange one. Again, he struggled. They negated McGinn really well. I think we got our shape wrong in terms of the... Because he was big in that game that yeah, we beat them at Villa Park. Huge. He had a great game. Emery lost. We haven't been able to say this many times, to be fair, since he arrived, but he's allowed an off day. But I think actually Emery lost the battle of the, the managers He lost on this control, one. didn't he? Totally. Yeah, yeah. and, we, and we, we just couldn't. He couldn't claw it back. You know, the subs were just... They just didn't work and Newcastle got ahead of steam. And it's difficult at the best of times. You know, you saw what Newcastle did to Tottenham last year and Brighton went there and got annihilated. They put three past City. They, they can do that. It's not necessarily the fact that you've lost or even that you've taken a bit of a pasting. You've really surrendered. You know, you've lost five. It could have been seven in reality. I mean, you know, Martinez did not have one of his best afternoons. We're not probably won't even mention his little yellow card incident, which was just kamikaze at best. But he's made a couple of big saves in the second half, as well as one in the first, to, to keep them at bay. It's it's a pretty chastening one, but you you have to just kind of go. It happens. Talking about Emery, one one thing uh, that kind of stuck with me and actually raised kind of a thought when it was said uh, was actually Tim Howard's. Uh, I think halftime, uh, sorry, post match punditry in that one of the Premier League summer series uh, games over in the the US when he was saying the thing about something about Emery. The certain way he plays is kind of predictable in some respects, and that high line I think he was re- referring to more more so than anything else. And Newcastle had a plan for that, and they 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 tore it apart a couple of times. And Mings is obviously integral to that. Cash seems to be sometimes the weak link in that respect. Also, it sometimes allows us to be, let's say, at the mercy of the interpretation of uh, the offside rule and VAR, and it's a bit of a knife-edge decision that could go either way. And are we going to get found out by it? Because if teams are preparing to crack it... Which they are now, clearly. They will, you know, once or twice in a game, surely. And then you're at the mercy of, you know, you have, even if you've got a world-class goal, there's only so much he can do. You know, he, he didn't yeah. barely stood a chance with any of the goals, did he? I thought whenever he took McGinn off, did you think that he was taking McGinn off to sort of shut up shop? Like, right, this isn't going to be our day. Don't go out I of here. Anyway. There was a little bit of that. Yeah, yeah go any worse. Five and just... Yeah. 
damage any worse than three one, and it's it did get much worse. But I, I really don't understand the 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 high line, especially for the one where Harvey Barnes put it through to Wilson. Again, it's on a knife edge, and again, you don't see the the VAR lines. I mean, it's just so. It's like one of those ones where I just let it go. It's, it doesn't really matter. I mean, it's it's such a strange thing when it, they take it into the minutia. Otherwise, I mean, it, to me, it did look just about onside. If and but depending on the line of the pitch, but if that high line, like I said, it, it, you just don't know why is it still so high when you're three one down. I mean, it's that's the thing. I mean, you can you can drop a yard or two and just say, right, if you are looking to kill the game, batten down the hatches, you know, stop the high line, take it back a couple of yards. Because we're talking about this last season when you're going to play Liverpool, who's going to pay the highest line? It's all going to be in the middle. I mean, surely they have a a, a sort of plan to drop ten yards. Well, the strange thing was, you know, we went in his one of his first games. We went to um, Brighton, didn't we, and won. And we basically ended the game with a flat bat six that we're playing yeah. on their eighteen yard line. And we just went, we're going to spoil the game here, shut up shop, which is a horrendously negative thing to have to do when you're three one down at Newcastle. But he, I, I wondered as well if there was a little bit of him thinking, well, the game's gone here. I might as well try back through for twenty minutes just to see because he does. He, he said look, numerous times, doesn't he? The best way to learn is in game. Admittedly, yeah. when people are paying good money to travel up to Newcastle to watch you learn in game, um, it's not. It doesn't necessarily look great, but he's got more than enough credit in the bank that you think, well, it will be interesting to see how he sets them up against Everton. Obviously, it's a, a different kind of game, but they're going to need a response. Just to kind of yeah. keep everyone and, and Everton, calm. you know, obviously Sean Dyche, they'll be all out, they'll be all over that, won't they? Oh, big time, they'll be organised because they didn't deserve Get them to early, lose to Fulham. Silence the crowd, etc., etc. All, yeah, all the cliches. Uh, but in terms of the result, I mean, as I said, you know, at the start, I wasn't going to be surprised. I mean, it's not our first radio in terms of being ripped apart. Uh, St no. James's losing was always a distinct possibility at the start as well. So there's no real existential crisis of where Villa are. I mean, that would be too reactionary. It's more the it's compound just, thing of the two injuries and the result. It's a bad. Well, sort of even more. I mean, when you look forty-eight hours. When you look at there's no Ashley Young now. There's no Buendia. There's no Mings, and what you're losing already, you're losing leadership, you're losing that tenacity, you're losing character. All the things that we needed to be instilled in this team when you know we were the nice boys under Dean Smith, and we didn't have that character. We were we were lacking in it, and those three guys gave us it. Suddenly they're missing. Moreno also gives us that as well. He's not around. And Torres, I think, is you know he's a smooth operator, but he's you know but a lot more of a quiet influence. Is still obviously finding his feet, and you're wondering where that's going to come from. Yeah, I think all these guys can. We're just going to have to be a, maybe a bit more patient than we thought we might have to be. Right, got any key stats for me, Phil Shaw? Well, the, there was a Premier League record broken in the game with Sandro oh, yeah. Tonali and Diaby both scoring after eleven minutes. It's the earliest in a Premier League match that both players have two players have scored in their debut. Is this the amount, highest amount of goals that a World Cup winning goalkeeper has conceded in a, in a game in the season following the World Cup? It could be. No, I'm just I'm making that up. That's, mm. uh, <laughs> I make my own stats up. Yeah. Thank you very much. I don't need Opta anymore. Somebody probably put a few past Hugo Lloris at one stage. Yeah. Uh, f- Fancy Premier League top Villa man of the game, points-wise. No surprise, it's Musa Diaby with seven. I thought Diaby did all right, to be fair. In a diff- difficult game, but I, he, he, he saw enough of what he's about. And we've seen enough in little spurts during games that you think, there's a, there's definitely a player there. I thought the, the interplay for his one when he, he has the shot at the near post is a great little bit of, you know, sort of passing and moving and whatnot around the penalty area, which we did a lot of in, in pre-season. You know, this, while it's a 5-1, you know, pretty chastening result, 
there's still little bits of positive that you can take that actually for probably the best part of an hour, I thought we gave it a really good go. But similar to last season at the St. James's, we just crumbled for whatever reason. Yeah. A quick question. L Jones from Match Club asked, with the loss of Mings and his organisational skills, do we need to change the way the defensive unit sets up less of a high line? Well, obviously we've been discussing this, whether it's now something that teams prepare for and the predictability means they're going to get in at least once or twice in a game and Mings being part of that four that kind of got the high line down well last season now it's back to a learning process but you know he was experimenting with that uh, three at the back that turns into a five or turns into a four there's you know there's hybrid versions if you play that hybrid center back stroke left back or right back whoever he goes for whether it's chambers cons are on the right or torres but he's not going to play torres now is he as a uh, hybrid left back he'll be very much one of the center backs yeah yeah it's um you know i'm sure there were probably people over the summer thinking well it's going to obviously be torres versus mings he's kind of forced his hand now torres yeah. obviously has to stay fit though <laughs> oh would you be drastically like thinking, right, we'll go Conza right back, Carlos, no, Torres, no. and then Luca Dean? There's too many changes in one go, that for me. Well, like, he's been trying it, hasn't he, or variations of it. I just yeah. don't, I don't think Carlos is ready to be playing 90 minutes week in, week out. I know you've got to you know, give him games, but I think you, you do need to ease him in. He hasn't played much football at all. At least Torres has you know, come off the back of a full season. Because I see Europa Conference League, I, I, you know, I was seeing Carlos and Torres together for most of those games quite Chambers possibly getting I think, I games think as well possibly if you get in the group stage I think to begin with it's certainly in the, in the, um, the playoff round you're going to go strong you want to get you know, Villa can't afford at this point to start the season badly and slip up in the Europe I think that would be you know to come to such effort to get there to then fall at the first hurdle would be pretty embarrassing but Torres and Carlos as centre backs is strong. It's yeah, like both players have sixty have played in million the in the league. league if, unlike if they're not good enough to play in a Conference League playoff, then why did you buy them? No, I agree. I agree with that sentiment completely. I just think the the need to sort of build a partnership somewhere because I mean, if it's going to be whichever one's going to be the strongest one, the need to start sort of playing because Konza and Mings were very much a team, and then I mean, Konza and Torres together. I mean, it was only what the second time they probably played together after the preseason. Well, Konza and Mings have played a heck of a lot of games together. Yeah. You know, in that yeah. first season back in the Premier League, they bloody struggled, didn't they? Let's be fair. It took them yeah. a long time to, and then they had the, the sort of the chance to play behind closed doors during lockdown and really get their communication down. They've managed to sort of you know, cultivate that relationship over quite a long period of time. It could work out, you know, long-term. You know, sometimes seasons have these weird quirks, sort of quirks of fate, don't they, where it forces your hand, but it, it forces you to do something that makes things better. Hopefully, that's the case. You've certainly got a manager who's capable of moulding something like that, but you're just going to have to bear with him a little bit. Yeah, personally, I used to say it how, uh, what a influential figure of gravitas Diego Carlos was and how you know their season fell apart at the start last season because of his injury and you know he was the guy that if he could speak English he would have been captain and you know he's a big chap with his two Rottweiler dogs and he instilled like this kind of steel through the squad and it's not much the impression I get from him uh, nowadays. We'll see, but, won't we, in uh, due course? He might become that, you know. If he does live up to that, then, you know, there you go. You've got your answer in terms of uh, having some kind of leadership and organisational compensation. Well, you're hoping, you, you know, you, you get to you get into the end of the calendar year or the end of the season, you're looking back and going, bloody hell, remember that first first day of the season? God, who'd thought where we, you know, we were hit, where we are now? But 
funny you mentioned that, but that's one of the, my f- food for thoughts because in football tradition, that does Happens come along a quite a lot for yeah. teams where they have one result at the start where they get absolutely tonked and then it's like, oh, remember that well, game? But the classic one, of course, is that you know, you'll win nothing with kids when we battered Man United. Yeah. Well, for 45 minutes and they played us off the park in the second half <laughs> with a bunch of kids and um, and won the, won the double that year, didn't they? Right, before we go, it's time for uh, Emery's clipboard or uh, the, the, the Hogan-Wesley touch count. <laughs> you may remember we are now combining because Wesley's back. He's back from the dead. He's playing he for Stoke. the week, didn't he? Was that ruled off as a yeah, as an own goal? It hit the keeper oh, in the back, no. I think. So I think he, uh, he did yeah. roll. Poor Wes. But Hogan's leading the line at the Tom Brady-inspired Blues as well. He's starting as their number nine. So we thought a combined touch count, just to make sure it gets into double figures. And if nobody gets within five touches of the, the score, then we go to a marvellous tiebreaker. So uh, last week, Chris Bird predicted that the combined touch count of Wesley and Hogan would be 20. Phil Shaw went for 18. Does that sound about right? It does sound yeah. about right. Mm-hmm. So what happened? Well, Scott Hogan started for the Blues against Leeds in their 1-0 win. He got subbed after 87 minutes, so he almost got a full 90 minutes in. Total touch count, 14. Oh, He's still earning a lot of money for so little involvement. (laughs) (laughs) At least he's consistent. I love him. I think he's... uh, It's how how you make money with minimal effort. It's it's something to be admired. He's efficient. I'll give him that. Meanwhile, this is interesting. At Portman Road, Ipswich 2, Stoke 0. Wesley comes on 33 minutes. Must be an injury. Uh Uh-oh. 57 minutes, 30 touches for Big Wes. Wow, fair play. So all in for... 44 over double didn't uh, get near it so no way within five so we're going to the marvellous tiebreaker do 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 <laughs> we did a jingle for the <laughs> marvellous tiebreaker music. well no I think like disco 70s disco marvellous tiebreaker now then Brighton Tonk Luton 4-1 but marvellous was uh, making his Premier League debut for uh, the Hatters Chris Bird, you pitched up with 45 touches in the tiebreaker Shaw went for th- 37, Marvellous Nakamba, 33, Phil Shaw within Yay. five of that. Phil Shaw goes 1-0 oh, up. Marvellous. Marvellous indeed. You were play, playing along. So now we go to next week's, get your thinking caps on, lads. Oh, Wesley's the anomaly, away at Bristol <laughs> City is uh, Hogan's next assignment. Well, Wesley has a tough task, actually, at Stoke uh, with Watford coming into town. So in terms of the combined score, what are you going for? I'm going to just go 40 on the nose. Phil Shaw? I'm going to go 48. I'll go a bit higher. Wesley surprised me with his 30 touches. The Wesley yeah. wild cards kind of got them thinking there. And just in case you don't get within five, uh, what's the, the marvellous tiebreaker? Luton aren't playing, are they? Oh, I'll be unconstitutional. Well, go for zero then. (laughs) I'm going to go for zero then. (laughs) Right, marvellous. He's not playing, of course, isn't he? Because of that postponed Luton-Burnley game, because Luton still have to build a stadium for the Premier League. So we have to replace the marvellous tiebreaker with the uh, Le Sanson tiebreaker. He did play against uh, Lille for Nice in a one-all draw. 
just to give you some context here, a couple of shots on target. He's getting involved. 41 touches. So we'll use him as the tiebreaker. Next week, Nice face. They're away to Lorient. So uh, what are you going for? 43. Yeah, I'll just go with 48 again. Thank you very much, chaps. Right. Last time I was at Villa Park was with Mr. Bud for Bruce Springsteen. Will Villa, I need to, I should have scripted this, Will <laughs> with a Springsteen uh, song. Back in their hometown. Back in their hometown indeed. Will uh, Villa find a return to glory days? Or will there be the first Emery crisis? Tune in to find out more. Until then, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from them. Goodbye. Goodbye. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.